The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today. Joining us to talk the trade is Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. Don, thanks for joining us. Let's start our conversation today with the grains. It was mixed corn higher, wheat and both soybeans lower. I have a lot of guys asking me today, is corn spreading against the wheat market? Yeah, Clay, uh, glad to be uh, with you, and uh, it's a pleasure. I think when you look at the corn market yesterday, we had just uh, a market that moved down to value on corn. It's still very much a range-bound market, and March corn closed at 378.5 today, and we think probably down around this 370.75, very good end-user buying, just from the fundamental standpoint. Your real question was, was there a lot of spreading? Well, I think uh, partly, but I think it was also just the fundamentals uh, as they are. It's really hard with a 955 million carryout on soybeans to uh, get too positive uh, when you're when you have that kind of supply around in South America's crop that looks like it's going to be uh, very large. And then you know wheat by itself, uh, we had that uh, ag, Russian ag minister met with the exporters, and not only didn't they uh, curb any exports, they said they have more wheat to export. Uh, than we thought, and so no slowdown there, and that pounded the wheat market. This is a roughly the third time that Russia has done this, where there's that thought in the market they're going to curb exports now. We're going to see Black Sea kind of come off the market a little bit, and then Russia turns around and we see this quick reversal in the market. I, is this a ploy by Russia? Is this trying to kind of control the market? Well, it's very hard to, to say, you know, uh, really. Um, you know, they had some quality issues from too much rain, but you know, when they talk about uh, the exportable amount of wheat that they have at 42 million metric tons and the general trade thinks it's 34 million metric tons, the real proof is in what happens. And if they continue to export at the pace they have, that could be right. Um, and they have been. Um, but in the last uh, Egypt tender, uh, Romania was actually under them. And so uh, the U.S. wheat was very competitive, Clay, on the last tender. But we didn't put a, a bid in just because didn't quit, didn't think could meet the quality standards that the Egypt uh, has in place currently. When we're talking about weather, we'll switch back over to soybeans now, and all eyes are on South America as they're going in in that growing season currently. Right now, we see some forecast models that show they're a little dry. Do you think they'll get the needed moisture they do to help that crop out? Yeah, and that then that really is uh, you know we're into the weather issue on uh, on uh, Brazil soybeans and. Uh, just to, to review, about 15% of the central uh, central uh, Brazil soybean growing area is in a dry status. Now, the north is in very good shape and kind of making up for the losses that may or may not be there. But uh, we did have a forecast that looks like we're supposed to have some rain in some of those dry areas over the weekend, and that really uh, pushed us to the downside. It looks like a good probability, Clay, as we're getting cl- each model, we're getting closer. So I think it does make sense. And then on top of that, some of the wet areas in southern Brazil and Argentina are forecast to dry out. So I think what it says is we still have a record crop of soybeans coming at us. And by the way, some early, very early harvest in the north is going to begin the end of December. And when guys are looking at it, let's take a timeline. You're talking about in the very, very far north, we could see some early harvest here within the next week. But what is the timeline? When will these 
beans be ready for China to switch from U.S. beans back to South America? Well, and that's uh, and that is it. We went past our uh, peak export time, as you can see, as we're talking about the South America crop uh, developing. And usually China switches back as we hit into the February time slot because, remember, their growing area is about uh, 1,400 miles from the north to the south in Brazil, so it's a big window, very similar to the U.S., you know, from uh, that would be equivalent to, like, northern Minnesota down to Texas. So uh, a big, a big long uh, area there, and that's why uh, in some areas when they're starting to harvest, they're still finishing up planting. Um, but I think when when you look at it, their peak uh, harvest is more in uh, mid-March uh, going forward, but early stuff before that. As we take a look, let's look at other factors affecting the grain market, and one that I'm sure some are just curious what will happen is if the U.S. government does, in fact, shut down, if they do not get that spending bill passed, what could happen and how could that affect the grain markets? Well, I think one thing we have to remember that 75% of the government is funded, so it's the 25% that isn't. You know, it might delay uh, some of these reports. Maybe the January report might be uh, delayed. We will see some of our export numbers are delayed. But I think uh, some of the some of the reporting type of things. But the rest of the world is going to go on, whether the government is uh, shuttered or not, in some of these these divisions. So I don't think it affects us a lot from the trade standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint. Um, you know, it might affect some of these outside markets, which would be a negative to our markets. By that, I mean, if you can't uh, come up with a budget, then the equity market goes down. Uh, so that is a bit of a risk-off type of trade. Talking about outside markets, the U.S. dollar today having a really strong shot back up to the upside, nearly 75 points in some instances. Is that due to the U.S. dollar being seen as a safe haven again, and in the long run, is that still negative to U.S. commodities? Well, number one, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. dollar is the best of the worst, if you will put it that way. Um, of course, we're not balancing our budget. The big fight was on, and still we had buying in the dollar today. But, you know, there's no doubt uh, it wasn't that long ago that the dollar was closer to 74.75, and today we're closer to uh, 96 and a half, 97. So, you can see what it, what the effect is. Actually, uh, it does slow down the uh, exports. And as we raise interest in other countries, uh, either stay the same or lower, our dollar gets stronger and the other countries are weaker, and that slows down the export pace. And the government, of course, is against that also. Um, but but that is a factor, and I think the trade watches it closely. Again, we're talking with Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. Coming up, we've talked grains. We still have livestock to go as well, how you can implement your own marketing plans. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton and for Susan Littlefield joining us to talk the trade state, Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. In our last segment, we discussed grains and the factors around there shaping the grain market. Now we switch to the livestock trade. And, Don, kind of a quiet day after we had the reports out, both uh, cattle on feed as well as the quarterly hogs and pigs. So what was kind of the big market movers today? Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, uh, for this segment, but yeah, I think the big thing that we had was the hog and pig report was probably the highlight since we only get four of those a year, and 
It basically was a little bit friendly by the numbers, but they were up 2% on all hogs, 2% on breeding, 2% on market. And if you look at the distance, uh, you know, the, the uh, septo farrowings and uh, the farrowing intents out in the distant months, up 2%. So uh, from that standpoint, more neutral, but we had more uh, premium dialed into the market for all these issues with China coming in and going to buy. And, uh, you know, the market really just couldn't perform because the uh, basis levels, the future's just too high versus the uh, cash market as the cash continues to struggle on hogs. Another report that we just got out, and that is the cold storage report, seeing a little bit of an uptick in pork, but we really saw a pretty good one, around 24 million pounds in the beef cold storage report. How does this look to affect the market? Yeah, you know, in the uh, cold storage report uh, you're alluding to, we were up uh, 6.5% on beef uh, in cold storage versus a year ago, 1% on pork, 3.5% on total red meats. But, you know, the cattle on feed report also ties in with that, and the marketing figure is aggressive. Uh, record uh, marketings for December, third highest marketing number since 2002. So uh, big numbers there. The placements were a little bit higher than we thought, but, you know, it's a remarkable with the demand that's underneath the beef market, and we just keep chugging along. The packers making a hundred bucks a head. The uh, we're able to keep selling the beef at these numbers. We traded cattle basically one nineteen to one twenty this week, well on its way to maybe trade one twenty two the first couple of weeks of uh, January. We've got some weather in the long-term forecast that could hit maybe next week. Of course, feeders this time of year, these late, these winter months, that makes those feedlots kind of nervous as well as packers. Do you think that we'll be able to maybe jump up and hit that dollar twenty to twenty-two uh, here in the coming weeks with weather? Yeah, we do. We think that uh, it's a combination, you know. But it's, uh, you know, the southern feedlots really haven't had a problem. They've had some dry weather, some good weathers. Uh, but I tell you, the north, it has not been great uh, feedlot conditions. I mean, it's muddy. Uh, the rate of gains really are suspect. I think that's partly what is helping us. But um, you know, this time of year, you're exactly right, Clay. Is it's all about weather and. Uh, the other side of the issue that we have to be careful of is we also have the demand side and with the equity markets making new multi-year lows uh, it's an issue from the demand side but so far all's good don going back now to our first final bell segment we talked a lot of grains there and we saw a little bit of an uptick in corn but when we look at our feed ingredients you know we've we've got a huge carry out in soybeans we've got a big crop of corn that we've also got sitting in the bins realistically from the input side does the livestock industry look pretty safe well i think we always think that you are uh, clay until you're not you know that's the one issue so i always tell people when you get a product that is at or below the cost of production you know, you have to go to work and start to secure some of your supplies because you can't raise it for that. And I think that's where we're at with the uh, corn market particularly. I think setbacks are probably more of a buying interest from an end-user uh, level. On the uh, soybean meal, it feels like you're at ease and you don't know big rush out here, but uh, the soybean meal, I think, is probably the same thing. You're getting down at the lower end of the range. We've got some real issues with ethanol profitability not there. The DDGs are getting tighter as some of these ethanol plants are really actually starting to slow down or uh, shut down here temporarily. So uh, it's a good time on setbacks in a range-bound market as we are right now at the lower end of the range to get covered on some of your needs. Now, when we discuss marketing options, we've discussed livestock now, we've discussed grains. Where do producers need to be? We're going into year-end. We're going to start out now in 2019. We've got new crops ahead of us. What do guys need to be thinking about on their marketing plans? 
Well, I think, one, you have to think in terms of a couple things. Next year you have uh, December 19 corn. Uh, it was up at 405 just here this last week. We're still hovering right around 4. Those are areas, if you put a carry on it, going out to 2020, same crop year, you can get up around, even today, 426, you'll stay in business. Same thing with uh, January soybeans of uh, uh, of next year, 2020, the same crop year. You, soybeans just came off at 975. They're 945, 946 now. So rallies back to some of uh, those top-end range. Think about risk management uh, on that end. Old crop corn and soybeans, I think... Uh, with the basis levels have come in, I think it might be if you're paying storage, sell it and reown it with some kind of uh, upside potential is what my bet would be as this market uh, time is money when you're paying for storage. Don, for your folks that want to talk to you more after listening to today's program, where can they contact U.S. Commodities? You bet. They can reach us at 1-800-247-4071. That's Don Rose, U.S. Commodities, discussing a lot in the trade today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Catch the podcast at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.